0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying time is here. That's right, we are still talking about Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Various Parts of Manhattan, supposedly, on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from the supposed connection between a lake and New York Harbor that is near Crystal Lake. Uh, this is the Kill by Kill podcast. We are dedicated to celebrating the least discussed component of any horror film, the characters. We are going to be ripping apart Friday the 13th, part 8, in the hopes that a Lakeview High senior's untimely end is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make about them and as always there's only one person that i trust in this situation to help me keep from letting the boiler room explode all over students we've never met and don't know the names of the one and only gina bradcliffe how are you doing gina
1: well Patrick I I have uh, I've taken a, a walk around my block I, I've done some meditative breathing so I'm mm-hmm. I'm I'm ready to talk about this particular sequence of events we are uh, <laughs> scheduled to address this evening
0: uh, it's quite a cacophony of images sounds and stupidity
1: yeah I, I'm gonna make a uh, a uh a controversial statement, a, a sizzling hot take. Uh, I think that the fifteen minutes or so that we are going to be covering in this episode is dumber than part five as a whole. I, <laughs> uh, you can afford um, me any angry well, emails I, that we get. I, I will, I will defend this to my grave. This is the <laughs> nadir of stupidity for the entire series.
0: Oh, I can't wait to dig into it then. But I, I hate to frighten you, though, Gina we are not alone that is right we have a very special guest uh he is a writer a storyteller a host his very own show the will sean podcast is one of my very favorites in the entire world the one and only will link how are you doing sir
2: hey guys thank you for having me i am very excited to discuss which what sounds like the finest of the friday the 13th movies
0: (laughs) we saved you for the best.
2: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the best one. I'm assuming you saved me because you wanted the New Yorker for when he makes it to the
0: Big Apple. That is the exact reason. I slated you for this y- a year ago. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I knew <laughs> that I needed the most New Yorky person I had personal access to that to I really- would say yes. Uh, To talk about when Jason Voorhees makes landfall and what is supposed to be New York City. Uh, I
2: I was a little worried for a while, though, that I was not going to make it to Manhattan with him, that we were (laughs) on that boat for so long. I'm like, are we am I going to get there? And I got there. So I thank you. Thank you.
0: (laughs) You're very welcome. Uh, uh, now, there's uh, tradition here, on the Kill by Kill podcast, we always like to ask our guests, what was your first exposure to the Friday the 13th franchise? Well, you
2: know what's funny? Growing up, I feel like Jason and Freddy in particular were part of like my life before even watching any of the movies like they were almost like a, I, I compared them earlier in the day talking about being on this to Harry Potter like they were like always just around they were these thing when I was young like little kids now have Harry Potter growing up in the 80s we had Freddie and Jason and yet it wasn't until my late teens until I saw my first Friday the 13th movie I had seen Nightmare on Elm Street, I'd seen Halloween, Texas Chainsaw, and for some reason, this franchise I avoided, and I don't know, I don't know why, I I just came to it very
0: late in life. Do you think it it struck to your core because it took place supposedly in the tri-state area and you thought, this is too close to me personally? I was,
2: I figured I'd be so terrified that at any corner, anytime I see a hockey mask, I would have PTSD.
3: <laughs> so
2: I I don't, I don't, I, you know, what it's weird. Like when I started working at a video store, I'm like, oh, I should see at least the first Friday the 13th. And this is only the first fifth one I've ever seen. If you count Freddy versus Jason, which I assume you do, but I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this is more that's more a question for
0: you cuz this is your life's work. Uh, well, <laughs> oh I'm my dep- god.
1: I'm depressed now, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to think that my life will accu amount to more than just being the person who determines whether or not freddy versus jason lies within the friday the 13th universe Uh, um
1: uh,
2: whether or not it does
0: i don't know it's kind of a hybrid it's its own thing i
1: mean don't don't let him fool you we actually are going to get to that at some point
0: we are yeah
2: okay i figured you had to
0: it's the long so, haul plan, yeah.
2: But I remember when this movie came out. Like, I remember when Jason Takes Manhattan. I remember being in the theaters. I remember the trailers. I remember the scene in the trailer where he, he takes off the, the mask and freaks out like all like the punk kids in Times Square. Mm-hmm. I remember all of that vividly. But this is the first time I saw the film. Did it live up to the hype? Oh, it oh it did. Oh, it certainly did. It lived up to the uh thirty some odd years I've been waiting to to watch <laughs> did, this did It, it live, was worth the wait.
1: Did it live up to the this is one of the shittiest movies you will ever see Hype?
2: <laughs> it pretty much, pretty
0: much <laughs> it's it's up there, yeah, it's down there. I mean, we I personally find part five to be. Not only the worst Friday the 13th movie, but the worst movie released in all of 1985. And that counts for Santa Claus the movie. It's <laughs> it's inept in almost every single way. And some people find that ineptness entertaining. And I can understand that. But um, as far as a viewing experience, I uh, loathe it. I, I enjoy talking about it. But I don't enjoy watching it. Here, I was kind of surprised. In the back of my mind, I had always kind of remembered Part 8 as a as a, a goofy lark that didn't take as much time out of my life as it has watching it for the podcast now. I, I find myself sort of dreading hitting play <laughs> when we go to the I, next section.
1: I feel like I've been watching this for like three months now. <laughs> Well, well, I mean, that's
2: how long he was on that boat, so maybe it's going to pick up for you guys now, now that he makes landfall and, in this episode. Sh-
1: shockingly, and I said this out loud when I got to the end of the the sequence we are covering, this movie still has a half hour left? I, <laughs> I literally said that out loud by myself in an empty room i i was just boggled i thought i had read wrong i was like nope like 32 minutes left i'm like no no (laughs) well
2: Mm -mm. i specifically paused it when he got off the boat because i wanted to see how long (laughs) he had been and it's well over and i mean it's like an hour and five minutes of him on the I, i don't know why they clearly wanted to make jason on a cruise ship Instead of Jason Takes Manhattan, so why didn't they just make Jason terrorizing like a Carnival cruise ship instead?
0: Weirdly enough, what we have learned is they originally did write a script and and want to make Jason Takes Manhattan, where the entire movie, almost with the exception of the cold open, which would get him to the shores of Manhattan, it would all take place in New York City. And they took the script to Paramount and they said, this is great. Uh, you can make it for like uh, two dimes that you rub together so hard that it sparks electricity and that <laughs> will run the lights. And they said, well, we can't we can't possibly do that. And i are like, oh, well, we have a perfect solution. This cold open thing where he's on this boat. You make that the majority of the movie. You have like a one set location and then you can film a lot of the exteriors in you know, Vancouver, and then you'll have, you know, this $20 to shut down uh, Times Square so you can have this one sequence to prove that Jason was, in fact, in Manhattan. And that's where it all came from. They just... They made something out of nothing. And that's why a lot of this has a, has a sort of like... They've thrown caution to the wind. They don't care about continuity. They just make Jason do whatever the fuck they want. Because they weren't supposed to make this movie. They were supposed to make another movie. And they just were worked this up on the fly. Like over lunch, they sketched it out on a bar napkin. <laughs> I I love how also the opening of the
2: film they're really trying to sell you on this is going to be it's actually very reminiscent of woody allen's manhattan except instead of uh, a gershwin <laughs> score there's this 80s power ballad or whatever's going on to to just the shots of 80s manhattan so it's very similar in that regard
0: that's <laughs> the dark of the night <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that radio DJ is a real piece of work. Uh, he's an individual that does not exist in um, New York radio, which at the time would have been the premier place to be on the radio in the entire world. There's no way that guy had a job. It's, it just, it's all very out of place. It's, none of it is particularly good. Well, let's get right into it. After that stunning revelation that this movie actually can be compared to Woody Allen's Manhattan in any way, shape, or form. Other than the fact that the people involved in both are horrible. All right. (laughs) Let's uh, do a quick body count. Who's still left alive at this point uh, in the movie? And that's pretty much all our our basic leads. We have Rennie. Uh, She's our final girl. Uh, She's wearing an outfit by the Real World Season 3 collection throughout the entire movie uh we have sean her maybe boyfriend now is it me or is it kind of weird that jack from titanic knows more about boats than sean does (laughs) and he is
2: he is constantly reminded that he knows nothing the uh the one what's the what's the the teacher charles is that his name yes charles Throughout the section that even that we're going to discuss, he constantly is giving him shit. Like, he is constantly like, I thought you were some sort of captain. Or, this is a great place to dock a boat. Where else do you want him to dock it? He literally docked
0: a boat at the docks. (laughs)
3: Like...
0: Like, great place. It's the only place. It's the place that's designated for docking boats. Like, where did he want him to pull up to? Planet Hollywood? This is where you go. You can't pull up to the bottom of the Brooklyn Bridge and are like, let's scale this brick wall here and get into Manhattan.
1: Well, well one of the many things that, that troubles me about this, this movie and its continuity and its dedication or lack thereof to anything resembling reality is every single character, this appears to be the first time they've ever set foot in New York City. <laughs> and and yes. they're, they're from New Jersey. And, and a... Now, like I said, I as I've mentioned numerous times, I grew up in Southern New Jersey, not very far from where Camp Crystal Lake is supposedly located. But if you, it's it's pretty much a rite of passage that by the time you are ten years old, you take that day trip up to New York City and you go look at Rockefeller Center and you go look at the Empire State Building and your dad complains about how expensive everything is and I just just particularly the way Julius is just gleefully singing "New York, New York" and just you know delighted at seeing the skyline like he's never seen it before in his life they 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 just seem like they just fell off the turnip truck like into the city of new york yesterday
2: well and and that's what's funny about it because you would think maybe if these were some real like poor kids who never could go anywhere but clearly they have enough money in their school budget to afford a a, a cruise ship to send them there stocked with liquor and guns (laughs) so so you would think so it's not like they they're not coming from some level of privilege that they they went places in life
0: speaking of charles he's a man so insanely wrong about every decision it's it's basically a miracle he hasn't been nominated for a post in the trump administration at this point we then moved colleen who is a character who wears a sweater and I don't know anything else about this individual. <laughs> she she, she is, is a void.
1: She, she somehow managed to get access to a pen that was once used by Stephen King.
0: Yes. <laughs> a pen that will come in handy-ish later on. Uh, we'll it, get it, to it. It is I, check,
1: check off Stephen King's pen. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> the
2: second she was given that pen i think she was told to like put it to good use yes. i i knew what would happen with that pen i actually wish something bigger had happened with that <laughs> pen
0: like it had some sort of uh James Bond like Q device inside of it that she could have <laughs> I used. don't know, or
2: saved it for like the final scene of the film, you right. know? Like you know, oh, I guess we'll get to it.
0: Well, that's the thing. What this movie could have been if it had been all Manhattan, what if the big setup for both the pen and the and the necklace that she's given was that they escape Jason to the Statue of Liberty, they climb all the way up inside of it all twenty two stories. I believe is how it's put in the movie and then we have this whole saboteur like alfred hitchcock fight on the top of it where jason is then stabbed in the eye and he falls to the bottom of it and you're like hey well you set up like a couple different things and then you pay them off i would be much happier that way than the insanity of how this movie ends, which we can't even talk about because we're not anywhere close to there. We're all a full half an hour away from this fucking thing being over. And then we can't forget Julius. He floats like a butterfly. I don't know if he stings like a bee, but it's good that he floats because he gets tossed the fuck off this boat real fast. <laughs> um, and that's about it. So we pick right back up again and Captain You Can Never, never Do Anything Right In My Mind Bridge Uh, And uh, that's where things have taken a turn from bad to suspirial lightning, and everything has gone red and blue, and no one knows where they are. Sean cannot steer the boat, nor can he navigate it, and Charles is just taking up his father's mantle of telling Sean, you suck at this boat thing.
2: (laughs) Do, Do they ever establish why Charles doesn't want Sean with Rennie? Do they ever establish that at all? Did I miss that? Did I tune out? Because he's really against the idea of him being anywhere near her.
0: But he's also really against Rennie being on the boat. He's really against Rennie talking to Colleen. He's against Rennie existing outside of his purview. So we have this some sort of gothic, you know, watcher syndrome where you have this creepy uncle who's all up in your biz And she can't shake loose of this. And the only way that she's going to get out from underneath him is this ghost slash zombie is going to enter their lives. That's the only way these two are ever going to be rid of one another is Jason is going to come in and, and, and destroy their world.
1: Well, I feel like they should have played this character either y n done away entirely with the the overbearing uncle or really amped it up to make him, you know, the the real monsters are the humans. But he just yes. he he's played just so incompetently and just such as such a boob that his his character's motivations don't make any sense. No. Like I, I I just I was boggled when he decides to grab a flare gun as as the weapon that he's going to use to defend himself and his niece. To the point that he walks past a giant fucking butcher knife hanging point down about an inch from his eye. Just sort of looks at it, keeps walking, holding no. this this flare gun that looks like you know someone a, a prop someone would use in a Thanksgiving play. <laughs> doesn't check to see if it's loaded i mean i would assume that it's fairly easy to see if a flare gun is loaded there should be a flare sticking out of it
0: (laughs) Uh, it's yeah he does not have a plan it's so crazy that he walks around like what what are all you boobs doing why aren't you listening to me but every time you listen to what he has to say, you're like, fuck, man, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Why would I ever listen to you after this?
1: I feel like this is, this is like kind of like cresting the wave of the incompetent principal character. You've yes. got Ed Rooney and Ferris Bueller and going back to uh, Dean Wormser yeah. and Animal House, just this, this authoritarian figure who really thinks he has all the answers and then he's just humiliated over and over and over again. But that character does not work for a slasher movie, because if, if this was really the case, he would have been killed an hour ago. He, he, I mean, the only reason this character exists is so the audience can be satisfied when he is eventually killed. So his
2: plan, though, is to now himself stalk around a ship to shoot a man with no evidence to shoot a man with a flare gun? Is well, that believe- to murder him?
0: Yes, because he does. Okay, he be- he believes that because this individual shouted that this undead <laughs> serial killer is on the boat, that that makes him suspect number one, and the best way to bring him to frontier justice is to shoot him with a fucking flare gun, uh, and he doesn't know where this guy is. He is officious. And Snippy, he's basically, you know, like that uh, Richie Rich uh, character in uh, Gilligan's Island. What the fuck? Is he?
1: Thurston Howell.
0: He's Thurston Howell, <laughs> without the life skills
1: and the, and the charm.
0: Yes, exactly. He's just oh, <laughs> like everyone he just who has, tries to do anything.
1: Yeah, he just has a permanent "I just sucked a lemon" look on his face. <laughs>
0: Meanwhile, uh, the other supposed adult in the room is Colleen, and when the fire alarm is struck by Jason, which is very nice of him, because he could have just let the place burn down, she then just kind of looks around and suddenly transforms into a a late-period Ruth Buzzy character. (laughs) It's just like she's in a silent movie. And kids, if you don't know who Ruth Buzzy is, bing it.
1: Finger (laughs) on the pulse, as always, Patrick.
0: Oh man, millennials love my reference humor. They die. Ruth Ruth Buzzy's making a comeback.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag the Buzz (laughs) Renaissance. Yeah.
0: The good news is that Sean has managed to get the boat back on course. Of course, it it doesn't really have an engine anymore. It's blown up. Uh, We get to see that when we see the half-emoliated body of Wayne uh, down there, his face strangely uh, pallid and unsinged in any way, shape, or form. The rest of his crotch very much on fire. Uh, And then we see a very (laughs) ominous-looking sign that says, like, fuel pump. And we're like, oh, no, when fire meets fuel, that's probably a bad thing, maybe. (laughs) Um, But then again, Jason goes, oh, let's hit the fire alarm. Why not? Because this used to be a character who would stalk people, who would know their fuck style so that he could get you when you least expected it. And now he's like, you know, if I come across somebody, uh, maybe I'll kill them. (laughs) Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah, there's, there's definitely no more – he's kind of done away with the whole you know, methodical picking pe- picking certain people you know, be, you know, for reasons that we don't know. Now he's just, just idly killing anybody.
2: But but he also – if I'm not mistaken, he also walks past a lot of people in this movie. Like he also – like early on, right, doesn't he pass cabins where there are people and it's like, eh, not this guy yet. Yeah. Not this <laughs> – and then like, right – Earlier yeah. on in this, yeah.
0: It's almost like, because we've sort of discovered that in this movie he's uh, uh, come across a fetish he didn't know he had. Which is, he likes to kill people on boats because of the way it makes his legs feel. Fuck if we know. <laughs> you know, whatever your thing is, that's your thing. But he's like, ah, I got these people right where I want them. Now I can pick and choose as I wish and let people go. And like, what are they going to do? Walk off the boat? I guess that's his motivation. We don't know. We just see him heavily breathe everywhere across this whole fucking thing, like he's been running around the deck when the when the camera is not on him.
1: Oh my god! When, I mean, we're skipping ahead a little bit, but when he gets out of the water at the dock, he is just wheezing away, <laughs> like like a fat kid trying to swim at summer camp for the first time. I mean, he is just like, <gasps> and just just. <sighs> There is wheezing and squishing and wheezing and oh, squishing.
0: Oh, nobody told me that, uh, that would be quite
3: the journey. I just,
0: like, <laughs> you don't need to breathe. That's the other thing. He's been walking along the floor of the ocean. Yeah. What, was he breathing in through his gills during this entire time? So when he gets out of the water, there's a whole lot of hot breath coming out of him. While he just, yeah, <laughs> scoops and weaves like he like he's just picking up hiking again. <gasps> <sighs> Listen, in like a week, this will be nothing to me. <gasps> right now, it's just really hitting me. My chest is on fire. <laughs> I mean, come on, man.
3: It's
0: just, this is the part that I just don't get. I, maybe the other Jasons breathe this hard. Well, I was going to ask just forget that it. because
2: I I've, I've seen the first two, yeah. and then chronologically, this would be the next one that I have seen. So mm-hmm. I thought maybe he did a lot of heavy breathing. No, it, it's, it's in it's three never, through
1: seven. It was never this noticeable until until this one. Well, he he this just...
0: last one he did a little bit, and I think it comes with the actor. Betraying Jason, I,
1: I just, I just feel well, like he, maybe. Should be, he should be reaching into his pocket and like you think he's gonna pull out a weapon. He's gonna pull out like a primatine mist thing, and just like. <laughs> oh, take- <laughs> yeah, <this is>
2: fun. <laughs> I mean, you've you've established that killing people on boats is his new fetish. Maybe he's just really excited. Maybe it's just maybe it's more of a that, maybe that, and he's, it's kind of more of a turn on breathing than a. Than a than a tired wheezing <laughs> breathing. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just spitballing here. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. We we don't know because he doesn't talk. But we can We I, what is definitely added in this one that I didn't feel was in part seven, which is the other Kane Hodder one that we had seen previous to this, was you can hear the breathing up against the mask, like they've added that into the sound mix, which so he just sounds like Darth Vader's you know wimpier brother. And like at least with Darth Vader, it's like, oh, that whatever the fuck's happening under that mask, I I don't even want to know. That that sounds mechanical and wrong that individual should not be alive. And with this guy, you're like, maybe he should be on some medication. Maybe he should get checked out by his doctor. (laughs) He needs help or he should be on a, a less active regime. Like he needs to hit up orange theory and just have someone help him out <laughs> on the circuit. <laughs> Let's, let's ratchet back here uh, just to get through the rest of this boat sinking. We have Charles stalking uh, Crazy Ralph Maritime Edition with a fucking flare gun. And meanwhile, the most supportive member of Lakeview High's graduating class is named Miles. We finally figured out what this blonde guy's name is. And he's just wandering around a deck in a purple starter jacket,
3: and he's wielding got big, an
0: axe. He's
1: got a big old yellow Walkman, like, strapped to his side, too. That's right. I, I couldn't... Once I saw that, like, my eyes just kept going to that. It's like, oh, shit, I hope that doesn't get broken.
0: I mean, this is at least three <laughs> years after Back to the Future, and some Paramount exec is like, no, he's got to have a Walkman. That's what kids do. <laughs> well... <laughs> Maybe, like, a few years ago, man. But, like, no, 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 no. Make it one of those all-weather yellow ones. That'll be great. Yeah, uh,
1: Jason's really upped his teleportation game at this point, too.
0: Oh, this is the worst. (laughs) That's a new thing, too, right? Oh, yes. It is a very good thing. He's always been a surprise killer. And while in places like Part 4, he's, you know, magically been upstairs, downstairs, where he hasn't passed anyone, but it's almost been explainable that he was some sort of backwoods ninja because he was raised by raccoons? We don't know.
2: <laughs> well, uh, well, look, to be fair, he's a surprise kill and there's no bigger surprise than teleportation.
0: <laughs> exactly. So. I, I can't say that this is more egregious than the disco kill that came before this in our previous episode. That being said, there are three very egregious elements to this kill that must be addressed in order. The first one is... Miles is wearing a fucking wedding ring. Who is Miles married to? <laughs> and I didn't notice that. I, I did not notice it until this viewing this afternoon. You can only see it in this section of the movie, and it's only because the the lights on the rain make it glint, and you're like, is he wearing a fucking? It's because it's on a very spit the left hand the third the ring finger
3: N- maybe like someone m-
0: told him don't you know don't worry don't take off your wedding ring we're just gonna this is gonna take 20 minutes
3: well
1: maybe he was like doesn't every high school have that couple that gets engaged at prom
0: <laughs> but where's his to be his, Where's
1: there's only like 11 people in the class on the <laughs> boat maybe a lot of them stayed home and and you know, good for them
2: yeah they, look they i want to think them. that miles is in a deeply committed relationship but i feel like he he cannot be uh-huh. He is the ultimate sidekick. If earlier he's Sean's sidekick, now he's a sidekick in this lynch mob looking for Jason. Like he's a follower. He's not getting with anybody unless he, unless his beloved ordered him to get married. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. that's true. Maybe he's in. Maybe they got a real. Maybe he's a real. Um, you know, uh, he's in some weird. You know, masochistic relationship. And yeah, he's got one. You of never those- know.
0: Got one of those Ella enchanted conditions where he just, anyone orders him to do something. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that thing. He's just a big old (laughs) puppy dog, um, which sort of makes sense for him. Uh, Number two, Jason emerges from a corner where the camera can't see him. But Miles absolutely would have seen him. That's a problem. While the camera doesn't see you, it doesn't mean that no one else can see you, movie. But... Hey, like, why have, why bring up logic now with this fucking disaster? And number three is that Miles takes a wild swing at Jason, and Jason just whips that axe out of Miles' hand in no time, sending it flying to the feet of Julius on the deck below. And this is where My- Miles does one of the few good things that this movie seems to have going for it. When people are presented with Jason Voorhees in front of them, they're like... Oh, I should run, and he actually runs. But, but Good where for did, you, you, but, but Miles? Where does he run? Gold star.
1: Where does he run? He runs to, up the stairs of a mast. <laughs> well, first he yeah, runs, he runs
0: down, down, then he runs up.
2: But he does run to a place where there is no exit. He, it's either he, jump <laughs> off or be killed by Jason.
1: Nor, yeah. <laughs> nor does he. Nor does he use use such words as help. He's here. I found him, he's going to kill me. Any Anything that might have drawn the attention of Julius, who was right downstairs.
2: He does a lot more than the girl in the opening of the, <laughs> the is film true. did. <laughs> so, they're improving. They're all getting better. <laughs> to, to, to be, fair the, to, to be
1: fair, the bottled ship in that scene did, did more than, than, than the girl at the op- in the opener
0: I mean, she basically becomes like a wilted leaf of lettuce. She's like a turtle on her back. It's terrible. The whole fucking thing's terrible. (laughs) But at least Miles is trying to do something. But that doesn't help when Jason can just bamf anywhere he damn well please. And he just bamps up the, the ladder of that masthead, grabs Miles, rips him off. And he happens to impale himself on that three-pronged radio transmitter we saw earlier. So he gets the Aquaman treatment. R.I.P.D. Miles. Now, I
2: know this is obvious because anyone is a better writer than the people who wrote this. But wouldn't it have made more sense instead of Jason knowing to destroy the radio antenna that it would have gotten destroyed this way earlier in the film that he... Killed somebody with it. Oh Wouldn't yes! Would that have been? That would have been a much better payoff. Too now the radio doesn't work. Oh, because Jason just impaled someone with it. One thousand
0: percent that he just happened to kill somebody on the one thing that you would use to call for help. I agree with that a hundred percent. Jason is a
2: killer, not a radio technician.
0: <laughs> Well, he's acquired all sorts of abilities over the years, to be quite honest with you. He is a, a man for all seasons, and earlier in this very movie, he magically acquired the ability to pilot a boat.
2: I people. so wish we had seen him in the captain's hat. <laughs> I really, that's the one thing this cruise section is missing, after he kills that captain, if the next time we see him, he has the captain's hat on as he's killing people.
0: No, if we could if we could have one scene with him behind the wheel of a boat, just with like mickey mouse that would so be doing a little, doing like kiss. the, the,
1: the oh. little the little butt wiggle thing like at the beginning of like yeah. new disney movies now mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Just shaking it back and forth, happily piloting down the river towards New York City, because as we all know, New York City is connected to many rivers and lakes.
1: After that, Rennie has another one of her visions. Now, I this was brought up on the episode I was not on with Sammy and Bo, yes. but I just wanted to make it clear to our listening audience that I in no way endorse this. Rennie has visions of Jason as a tragic disabled ghost child shit. <laughs> I, I don't know why they thought this was, you know, some some new element that, that this was possibly, you know, almost as useless an element of, of you know, something new to, to the Jason Voorhees canon as he's actually some sort of possessed monster and you have to eat his heart in order to get his powers, uh, which I, I cannot wait to get to that. I, I've been yes. waiting for that since the first episode we recorded of this, but it just this is something that was never brought up before. Is thankfully never brought up again, and and adds absolutely nothing except a an unwarranted air of tragedy to to the whole affair. That he, he's just he's not a, a soulless, mindless killing machine. He's he's a little boy. He's a hurt little boy who desperately wants to be set free, and yeah. is doing some sort of positively offensive spasming thing when Rennie sees him in her room, and and he's got the one big eye, which somehow at the end of the movie, he doesn't have anymore. And he's in his underpants for some reason. (laughs) Why is he in his underpants?
0: Uh, It might be his swimsuit looks like underpants. I can't (laughs) tell you. But he is is he is shaking his hands around. Remember when Donald Trump made fun of that one disabled reporter on the campaign mm-hmm, trail? People of course. Were like, this is the worst thing anyone's ever done. And then several months later, that asshole became president of the United fucking states. That's what he is doing. It it was like oh my god. It's like they both like. I think maybe Donald Trump saw this movie. <laughs> It's so specific a movement to me. And I, like all ghosts, the ghost version of Jason doesn't tell you what he fucking wants or needs. He's just like, help me. Be specific, asshole. (laughs) How am I supposed to help you? Like, what do you fucking want out of this relationship where you just randomly appear to me, either as a slimy Caucasian child or slimy Korean child in one portion (laughs) of the film?
3: But either
0: way, like, what do you and your suddenly uh, fried egg eye out of nowhere because you didn't have one when you drowned, what do you want out of this? And we don't get the answer to this because Jason headbutts a fucking portal window and then lazily paws Rennie's throat. So that she can, you know, do a big grand reach around for Chekhov's Stephen King's pen and stab him in the eye and then gruel comes out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that, that yeah, is exactly I mean, what.
1: We're not even given the courtesy of an explanation as to why Rennie has these visions. No.
2: What, what, yeah, I, I, I mean, that that's just, that that is honestly the most annoying thing about this movie to me because these visions seem to come out of nowhere for no reason i don't really understand what's what's triggering later in the film i know we're not going to get to it but later in the film she has like a vision of her past in a puddle in the in the alleyway it's
0: just and there's no there's no rhyme or reason to it well the heroin helps because if i've learned <laughs> oh, anything true. from movies is that when you're on the horse it really helps you a solve crimes in london During the Ripper terror or help you remember when you almost drowned and Jason touched your toes or whatever the fuck happens to her in a different section of this movie. But if she just that, but that's also uh, his ghost. It's not like his actual body of a child is reaching up saying, help me get off the bottom of Crystal Lake, because how would the rest of the fucking films happen? This is
2: insane. (laughs) Yes, and if she believes she saw a real child and did nothing to help him, then these people are the real
0: monsters. (laughs) Well, of course, Charles is like, you didn't see a kid. We're never going to speak of this again. You're just afraid of the water. As long as we keep you off of boats, no more ghost children will haunt you. This is his mindset now that we've kind of revealed this, that he doesn't want Renny to get on this boat because what happens if another ghost child grabs her by the fucking ankle? What the fuck is happening here? Everyone (laughs) needs to talk to professionals. Charles should not be in charge of anyone, anyone at that school, any minor, any major. He shouldn't be in charge of a flare gun in this movie, and yet he is. Kill, 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 kill. Break, 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 break. Hey, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, breaking into the action ever so briefly to take care of a little business here in Kill by Kill Land. As always, we're so appreciative of when you take time out of your day and rate and review us on iTunes. It helps us reach a larger audience and lets people know that this is a worthwhile podcast that you like. So if you do that, make sure to tell us what your favorite kill is in the Friday the 13th series or any of the other films that we've covered. And then that means that we will talk about it here on the air. That's our solemn promise to you, the kill by kill listener. Uh, we were lucky enough to get a five-star review from JS comics, who loves the idea behind the show, thinks it's well executed and then pays the hosts of this, uh, supposed podcast, a very nice compliment. Um, but he his favorite or she her favorite. I don't want to cast uh gender on this. there's really no place for it. uh my favorite uh Friday kill has to be the bashing of the sleeping bag holograms uh in uh Jason X. You know, a lot of people have been bringing up Jason X lately. I can't wait to revisit it. We will be doing that in the new year. Thank you so much for spending um two thousand and seventeen. Uh, with us. Uh, We really appreciate all of the feedback that we get and all of the lovely compliments. And when you interact with us, the fact that you're downloading the show and sharing it with friends, we deeply appreciate. Thank you so much. Uh, And this holiday season, please take care of yourself, take care of your families and uh, remember us in the new year. And until then, the body count continues. Kill, 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 kill. Break, break. Sometime around this uh, Jules gets thrown off the fucking boat and we all we get another shot of Jason heaving his chest right after he's done it like oh, oh that guy's all muscle <laughs> <coughs> I need to lift with my knees and not with my back
3: Jesus oh,
0: Christ Oh Man, he's like a he's like a sack of cement with bones in it ah.
2: Now, when, when you first saw this, I mean, did you think I think Jules was, was dead at this point? I mean, did you think when he was thrown it, off it's the pretty, boat? It's
1: pretty rare that the that Jason would not hang around long enough to make sure that the work that the job was a good one. Yeah.
0: yeah, but then again, we don't know how far he can see with his one good eye. And then moments later, Rennie stabs maybe the other good eye. I can't tell which one's the bad eye anymore because it's flip-flop from every other movie. And in part seven, he didn't even have the pancake eye left because he was just a, a crazy oatmeal skeleton. I clearly got to go back and watch that one. So at this very moment, the boiler room explodes and everyone feels the shock waves. Sean holds Rennie to his chest. For far too long, he. Everyone likes to stroke this girl's hair. I, I'm sure it's full of body. And it's nice. It's
1: nice hair. I mean, y- it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's very late '80s heroin hair. She's got that Felicity hair, like the impossibly yes. like. Like long curly hair that probably like like tangles like a motherfucker if you look at it, but but it's just so nice and makes you want to take care of a person with that kind of hair. It's true.
2: It says a lot about her character how much she puts into her luxurious <laughs> hair. It's uh, it's her biggest character trait that, and apparently she's a, a writer.
0: Apparently. We, apparently, we don't
1: see we don't see her write, but, but no, she's a writer. We'll we'll take your word for it, movie. Well, we see her
0: give up on writing to go check out the rest of the ship with her dog and run into people doing cocaine. But we never see an example of her writing, nor does her being a writer save her or put other people at harm. It's just a thing. Like The, The best would have been if the movie
2: ended... And we found that she wrote the story Jason Takes Manhattan. Bring it like kind of a hobbit situation. So a great, so a, great like, a great
1: Gatsby kind of thing where like yeah, and she's and, a she's against that typewriter.
2: <laughs> yes, and she types in the words Jason Takes, and she thinks for a minute, and then she writes, Manhattan.
0: <laughs> click, 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 put it on yeah. top of a stack of paper, nailed it, <laughs> throw some in the air. Stephen J. Cannell production <laughs> oh jesus oh man i would love if she wrote the titular line out
1: loud. That would be and, and, it, and it was that day that i realized i was a child of two fathers jason takes manhattan <laughs>
0: <laughs> he didn't just take manhattan he took me to a place i'd never been before myself <laughs> But he took um, so, my heart.
3: <laughs>
1: uh
0: oh, not, fuck. not not Charles. literal
1: not literally, or he could have he could have done that, but he didn't. Yeah.
0: Meanwhile, there's a lot of meanwhiles happening in this section. It's just a cacophony of places and things. Charles is stalking Crazy Ralph Maritime Edition with that fucking flare gun. He misses the knife. The camera shows you the knife, shows you Charles. Then shows you that the knife is gone. Then it shows you that there's a lot of bread underneath heat lamps and they're all smoking. <laughs> Where are the fucking cooks on this goddamn boat? Where is everyone? You have this giant galley full of smoking bread. But we <laughs> there's no cook. <coughs> Who's serving the bread? And apparently
2: there's a restaurant. There's a lot of things going on. A but restaurant implies
0: see- Yes, a restaurant yeah. implies like People who cook, people who do dishes, people who serve you those food, people who seat you in parties of four or six. Whatever the fuck how that works, none of it is evidence other than people referencing restaurant, Charles going to kitchen, and then Crazy Ralph lazily stabs Charles in the forearm, and this is. Not a problem for him for the rest of the movie. He's never felled in any way, shape, or form by this stabbing injury.
1: Yeah, again, he just looks like he does for the rest of the movie. He's kind of annoyed. put out.
0: Yeah, it's like, again,
3: (laughs) I'm stabbed in the forearm.
2: Yeah, it's clearly not the first time someone has attempted to stab him.
1: (laughs) Third time this week, my God. When will Uh, the stabbings end?
0: (laughs) (laughs) When will they start to be successful? Is really the question we should all be asking? Do, do I have Holy to? Holy put- fuck! He is totally in his underwear in that scene. It, it, if that's supposed to be a swimsuit, they have done a terrible job it, at projecting abso- swimsuit he's on, on Ghost Jason.
1: He's absolutely in his underpants,
0: and he just, he's just—he's—he's full of slime. Like he just said, "I don't know." On you can't do that on television, <laughs> and just saying, "Help me!" And like, "Help you, motherfucker!" I'm getting strangled. Help me. <laughs>
1: Yeah, what does he need help from? Does he need to be? You know, does he need for her to climb into a time machine and go back to nineteen
0: fifty-seven? Yeah, look, like when she was supposed to talk it out with him. And, like, and
1: what? you, know, dude, what is she What is she supposed to be helping him with? We well, never like know. Sit because... him
0: down and interview him and write down the questions. Like what he needs is a good New York Times profile, like they did to that <laughs> Nazi a couple days ago. <laughs> Jason Voorhees isn't just an undead serial killer that you've read about. There's a lot of shades to him. A tragic backstory.
1: He likes to to eat a Panera bread. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, you you think that it takes a lot of work to kill that many people. Turns out he has asthma. Have you ever thought about that?
1: (laughs) You've never thought about that, you self-centered bastard.
0: (laughs) Uh, Think about it, won't you? No, I won't, New York Times. Go fuck yourselves. Meanwhile, Sean grabs Rennie and says, Oh my God, we got to get down to the injury room and figure out what exploded. And on their way there, uh uh-oh, they hear a rumbling and a tumbling. And all of a sudden, a klaxon sounds. And they are caught in the middle of a flood of ecto cooler it's very <laughs> green water that yeah. they are trapped yeah. in
1: it's like it's like it's, it's like someone's like like engine block exploded an antifreeze started pouring out <laughs> yes
0: i don't i know that you you know have to color the water somewhat so it just doesn't look like a black mass and whatnot but there's no reason why it has to be bright fucking green like they got one tank Wow. And all they got is green water, so they, that's what we're going to use.
2: Yeah, they use the same uh, water that they use later for toxic waste, basically. Because <laughs> so. right, New York City is lousy with toxic waste.
0: Well, that's so, what they flood the sewers with at midnight.
2: Well, that actually being from New York, that is a fact. At midnight every night, they flood the sewers with toxic waste. See, that's I why I came to you. Learning that, were, yeah, you These
3: were are an facts. expert. There we yes, go. That
0: one. That's the one thing they got right. Jason takes Manhattan. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Yeah, Colleen leaves four red shirts into that restaurant, leaves them to find everyone else. And then Rennie and Sean, who are kind of half-soaked from this experience, when they should be fully soaked from the experience, run into Charles, who immediately blames Sean for her being on the boat. Again,
1: yeah, he's a, he's just like like this is all your fault. You know, you know, get your hands off of her, and and I just feel like he's just sort of at this point randomly throwing out evil, you know, overbearing uncle phrases, <laughs> like you know I, I will lock you in my dungeon.
2: I honestly can't remember the last time I saw a character just eat
0: so much shit like Sean does, and he never like gives anything back. He takes it all. No, he just slumps his shoulders and breathes through his mouth constantly and lets his dangly stringy bangs do the talking.
1: Yeah, he he as, as the movie goes on, he seems to be going into some sort of catatonia. Like the <laughs> the, the the scene a little bit ahead where uh, where where Remy is kidnapped, he just the way he just kind of reacts and like picks up her necklace, it's just like I don't he's the, I think the actor is trying to do a thing <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that thing is, but it's weird and and off-putting, and he just seems like he's about to snap and go into some sort of Travis Bickle mode, and and he, he does not. He just sort of, like, you know, robotically leans down and slowly, meaningfully picks this necklace up off the ground and just looks like someone just hit him across the head with a frozen fish fillet.
0: <laughs> um... The force of now, here's this other crazy thing that happens here. Colleen runs into the room uh, amid all the accusations and non cross accusations and says, oh, thank God I found you. I just lowered the lifeboat. Let's go and grab the other students. I left them in the restaurant. And Sean goes, there is no more restaurant. How do you yes. know? How does he know there's no more restaurant? We have not seen the restaurant blow Shh. up. She just came from the restaurant. She just, Charles just came from the kitchen, which one assumes was attached to the fucking restaurant. I think they abandoned these four fucking kids on this
2: boat. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Last, last week, I I listened to the show last week and you guys had a mini debate about do the nameless students who are left in the restaurant count? As kills. Yes. And I think they very much do, because <laughs> they are just they are left. There is no way they survived. They are just told by these terrible teachers, just wait here, we'll come
0: back for you. And they never come back. They go down with the ship. Yes.
3: Yeah, and it's But funny, does and-
0: that count as a Jason kill? Because on in well, my he- mind that's Colleen and Sean's fault that they're dead. But I guess Jason put it all into motion, right?
2: Wasn't this the plan all along? <laughs>
3: Was it? I don't don't know. I don't know. I (laughs) don't know. He was a man with a
2: plan. I don't know. He's setting off fire alarms. He's
0: setting traps, I guess. I don't know what he's He's doing. Danny fucking Ocean, and then at the very end of this, you flash back to see how y'all put it in motion to a jazzy soundtrack.
1: I, I think the funniest part about this whole scene is that Colleen's reaction to being told, well, you know, these, these four or five students that you, you left behind to die, have in fact died, she just looks sort of like the pr- someone who just found out that she did not pick that day's winning lottery numbers. So, <laughs> she's they're <laughs> just sort of like, oh. just sort of, you know, like yeah. well, what are you going to do? You know, and Better just, you luck
0: know, next, high school.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're never mentioned again. They don't even get names.
0: No, they're red shirts. They just exist like they're four warm bodies. We, we don't know if they're killed personally. I, I just, I find it crazy. I mean, it's I guess. Like, there's no more J- restaurant. How would you know <laughs> this to say it? Because there's no Jason- way the flooding hit the restaurant before where you yeah. are.
2: So. Well, I also assume there's more time as the ship is going down for Jason to start killing the rest of these people. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming they're going to well, make a run for it, right? Or are they just going to sit in the restaurant and just wait to
0: die?
1: He, he does peek in the window <laughs> of the restaurant at one point, but we don't, like, nothing comes of that. No, okay. because
0: the next thing he does is confront Rennie in her room. So, it's not like he... he uh, Fuck, what do we know? Because we're not told. It's just a mystery. And it's it, ha- it all happens so fast that the movie makers are hoping that you forget. But I hate to tell you, movie makers, we have a podcast where, we're, where all we do is make fun of the stupid decisions you made. And this is a giant one. So... Let's let's move on to a person we know for sure was killed and that is Crazy Ralph Maritime Edition. As these four are making their way to that life raft and not giving a fuck about anyone else on this boat, Crazy Ralph comes around that corner. He's got his he's got an axe in his back and we kind of assume that Jason put it there, but for all we know Any one of those students could have put it there, too. I don't know. We don't know. Let me ask you a question about the crazy
2: Ralph Maritime Edition. Yes. This character, was he always crazy or was the sight of Jason appearing driving him (laughs) insane? Because if he was always crazy, there is no way he should have been employed on this boat to begin with.
0: Well, I mean, there's there's some sort of breed of harbinger that happens to be around Crystal Lake. These are the true believers in the legend of Jason Voorhees. And when they're encountered with the reality of it, no one listens to their it's like uh,
2: for them it's like the second coming of christ
0: or something like he has risen he is back now i am mad and must tell the world yes and (laughs) like the nutters in the parks standing on a soapbox yelling about the lizard people no one believes them and yet everyone dies anyways including this guy who gets a very wobbly axe in the back like it wasn't ...put there very well, or it wasn't meant to stand up to the rigors of falling onto the ground. Any way you put it, um, he's out of the picture, and we don't have to worry about him taking up space on that lifeboat, so... R.I.P.D., Crazy Ralph Part 3, fuck off. Um, (laughs) So, then... Uh, the foursome uh, then climb down into the life raft, and Jason just looks at it. Uh, lightning strikes a mast and comes to nothing. And as they all and somehow the dog ends up in that rowboat.
1: Yeah, I didn't see when that she had the dog with her. He just sort of you know appears there and like
0: he like he was waiting for them. Like, hey, motherfuckers, I've been waiting in this in this rowboat for like how long? Let's move this maybe. Along.
2: Maybe the dog is also uh, capable of teleportation, for all we know.
0: He appears to be, because he was not taken to that lifeboat. When they they run into Crazy Ralph, he's not part of their crew at that point. We just see him magically appear uh, in the life raft. And the only decent Friday the 13th callback occurs in this section when Julius pops out from the side of the life raft, a la Jason in the first film. And lands on the raft, and you're like, "Oh, um, that wasn't a great uh, jump scare."
1: Yeah, no. And then they uh, they, they are yeah. they are rowing the boat along in this fucking fog bank that that looks like King Arthur is going to Avalon. Like they're just <laughs> they're just they're just out in the middle of nowhere, just just rowing through this fog, and and they're lamenting the fact that they don't know where they are, and that they 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 don't see any shorelines, and and you know what? If you're, if you're anywhere on a body of water between New Jersey and New York, if you throw a soda can, you will hit a shoreline. I, I, I don't, <laughs> I don't know where they're supposed to be. I don't know where the audience is supposed to know where they, but somehow they end up, you know, in the East River. So yeah. you, you are passing by many, many small and larger towns on this on this arduous mystical journey from New Jersey to New York.
0: Well, they apparently now, rafted through heaven, is
2: what we... <laughs> yeah, that's my next question. How long are they rowing? Because I was... I don't know whether this is meant to be, but I was in the impression they were rowing for like a day. Yeah. That's like It seems daytime. like it becomes... Yeah, right? It becomes daytime, and then the next night they finally row their way to New York City. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Okay. That is the impression that we're given. In the meantime, uh, Charles is very impatient about being rescued or finding land. He berates Sean, who just takes it. He just balls up that anger, and he puts it away someplace (laughs) very tight and very safe in the back of his brain. (laughs) And he just recites some emo lyrics that he heard in the future. And he continues rowing. Meanwhile, Julius is like, don't let that motherfucker get to you. Once again, Julius... Best character in this movie. Might be the best character in a lot of the movies surrounding this movie.
1: Yeah, definitely. Julius, a
2: good guy. Yes. He wants to take on Jason. He wants to bring the fight to Jason. He's
0: not scared. (laughs) No, why should he be? And then, of course, by the time... They reach New York City Harbor. It is night yet again. Julius (laughs) sings, and Charles checks his watch like he's got tickets for cats and wants to make sure he can still make that performance. Okay, that's the other thing. Once they dock, it feels
2: like field trip is back on. Like, it feels like the idea of, like, everything that happened, well, we made it to New York. Let's continue our trip. Let's go to Statue of Liberty. Let's go to Broadway. You know, it, it feels like the field trip is back on you
1: know, let's, let's go to this shipyard that looks like Where they dropped off the Ark of the Covenant At the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark And where apparently there are, there are no guards On, on duty nor, no. nor are there telephones
0: there, there are no people, there are no individuals sitting in, in cars huddling with other people telling them I could have been a contender. Nothing, nothing is happening in, in, in the shipyard at all whatsoever. It's just nothing but mood lighting and Jason Voorhees breathing very hard after walking across the bottom of the did ocean. Did he walk and or did he a, swim? I don't know we don't get to see him maybe maybe he kind of waddled like godzilla
1: and why (laughs) wait for them to get to new york why not just punch (laughs) his way through the ship and leave them all in the middle of this vast ocean that they're apparently
0: stranded on maybe he was holding on by his whip like indiana jones and raiders of the lost ark Mm
1: -hmm. i i honestly thought i was like because i I don't know why it didn't occur to me. He's like, wait, how did he get from where they were to New York? I'm like, I'm like, oh, did he like, cling to the bottom of the boat or some bullshit? And I'm like, no, I was like, no, he swam, which is actually even worse.
0: No. Yeah, the kid <laughs> who drowned? The kid who drowned, again, is the world's best fucking swimmer he swam all of a f- sudden. swam for at least 24 hours.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Straight. I mean, he's, he's going to do, he's going to do, he's trained for like, one of those uh, English Channel swims. <laughs>
0: Someone should get him on the fucking circuit. He's marked goddamn Spitz. And so, yeah, uh, Charles is very put out that they have landed at this wharf to dock a boat. Uh, Fuck off, Charles. Uh, And at this very moment, you can can sense it. Somewhere on the Paramount lot, there was an executive who shouted to his secretary, they don't even have to write a third act. Just steal every beat from the out-of-towners and just... You know, make that happen. And so wouldn't you know it, our group of survivors is immediately robbed by the two heroin junkies that we met at the beginning of the film. They are have very long, luxurious hair. They have a very tiny pistol. Yeah, they do. They do have
1: really good hair yeah. for, being, for being heroin addicts.
0: For living out of doors and shooting heroin constantly, I think they also condition a lot. So good on them. <laughs> and... The only person who really takes an active role in this mugging is the dog. He almost takes a bullet for it. Yeah, uh, I luckily, mean, Once again, yeah.
1: once again, Charles completely shits the bed in regards to being any sort of authoritarian figure.
0: Uh, he tries to talk uh, these two junkies out of stealing his uh, responsibility on this earth. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, he, yeah, completely shits the bed. Gina, once again, has read my mind. She is 100% right. And they steal her away to their favorite outdoor couch. Yeah,
1: he Charles yeah, uh, basically, yeah. basically all but says, do what you want to the girl, but leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. oh,
2: they gosh. have, well, that's the thing. They have taken this this girl to presumably rape and murder her. And the people who care about her the most say nothing Julius is the only one, right, who's like, we gotta do something, right? What? Oh, we Julius. gotta go do something. The one who has no connection to her, really, at all, is the only one who's saying, we should really not let them rape and murder her. Yeah,
0: we need to track their movements so that we might um, rescue her from this situation while we find help. And meanwhile, Charles is like, let's split up. Let's all separate from one another so we don't know what anyone else is doing. <laughs> Let's well, certainly not follow them. That's a bad idea. They said they'd kill her, and I take them at their word. They've been such gentlemen up until this point.
1: You know, let's, let's split up in this, in this city that none of us has ever been to before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> let's try to find, I don't know, some sort of we could, telegraph to we, communicate we could with the authorities. Find the and local
1: constable, perhaps? <laughs>
0: So yeah, uh, meanwhile, our, our hoodlums uh, take Renny off and shoot her up with what looks like Reagent from Reanimator.
1: <laughs> yeah, they, they, bring <laughs> yeah. Her to the, they bring her to the rape couch, and, and <laughs> apparently uh, thug number one requires heroin before... Now, I, I don't like to get into such unpleasantries, but I'm going to think that if you are a heroin addict, rape is really low on your preferred activities list.
0: Yeah, but but yeah. he implies
1: yes. that he but he requires more delicious heroin in 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 order to to fully enjoy you know this, this mauling he's about to to impress upon this young lady.
2: You know this this scene is like this classic '80s thing that as a child I remember when I was in you know there was the dare program back in school mm-hmm. like to to keep us off drugs. It was always kind of implied that yeah people just come out of nowhere and like give you heroin and they'll shoot you up and and that's what these junk these junkies feed into that dare myth of they are literally like well let's just give her some heroin let's just (laughs) give her the like we want to we want to give everyone heroin (laughs) it's the myth that i was taught in elementary school happened in this movie this has a very, you know, Nancy Reagan message.
1: Oh yeah, earlier. yeah. This this is absolutely written by by someone who has never been in in the same room as a drug. So <laughs> so they, they they don't know that the heroin addicts tend to mostly just sort of sleep much of the time and and aren't really going around dragging women off like 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 cavemen to their cave.
2: You need to be better in your portrayal of heroin addicts. This film is offensive. <laughs>
0: That's the crazy thing is, it is offensive. It's so (laughs) offensive, heroin addicts don't look good in it. So, yeah, so Tweedledee's like, hey, Tweedledum, go down to the corner store and pick me up some heroin, my good man. And he takes off, and then (laughs) number one in charge junkie A number one is all like, oh, this can be easier, it can be rough. It's kind of like I don't want to hear your fucking preamble you perv. Like (laughs) I don't want any part of this. This is all gross, but it's just like 30 seconds of him smiling and like no one can seem to to choke. This is a weird thing, but no one can seem to choke Rennie properly. She's either got a very thick neck or no one learned how to (laughs) To grasp anyone. Well, it's all that hair gets in the way. Yes, Joe. That's what it is. Yeah. And this sort of back and forth of spitting and slapping, which does not turn out well, uh, but it does lead to penetration uh, in the form of Jason Voorhees picking up that used uh, needle and stabbing uh, heroin addict number one through his spine out through his stomach with that needle And then he leaves this mortal coil right on top of running like a limp noodle, uh, a limp noodle I think we all knew he was always going to be in the first place. (laughs) And then uh, number two comes back like, hey, I forgot my money. Like, where did you forget your money in your dinner jacket? You've been wearing the same fucking thing. <laughs> where would you put it down on the, on the desk? He, he,
1: le- like, he, he left his where wallet. Where did he, you put he, it? He left his wallet in his other his other filth-encrusted pants. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he comes back none too soon to find this grisly scene in in, uh, in action. Uh, he's like, oh, who the fuck are you? And s- decides to shoot Jason Voorhees. And what would he know? He has lived a street life in New York City, so he doesn't know about this undead zombie serial killer. He plugs him five times, which leads nowhere. And for all that trouble, he ends up getting his face smashed into a steam pipe. And that's all she wrote for the guy in the bandana. Bye byes meanwhile we get to see rennie struggle to get a dead body off of her white crisp jeans uh very unsuccessfully and that's it yeah that's this section of the movie now does this does this comport with your experience as a native new yorker yeah the to- well we didn't get to the toxic waste but
2: also all this stuff you know the these were the these were my you know these were the people and i be walking around the city. These are the guys I'd see—the the rapist junkies. They were. My, those are my. Those are my people. Those are New Yorkers. pre giuliani New York. Everybody was like that.
0: <laughs> Listen, it was nothing but porno theaters that used that then became disney stores and and then uh heroin addict rapists who ended up becoming people who greet you at that disney store
2: exactly i i miss the good old days in new york where we had uh well you know there was a sense of danger around every uh dock (laughs) uh,
0: alleyway um did you grow up around these alleyways um, no, I don't think New York i work Up till this point, it's just I honestly don't
2: think I've ever been in an alleyway in New York. I think I've always just avoided traveling through alleyways because why wouldn't I? Yeah, I. Actually, <laughs> um, when,
1: I yeah, I, I moved when I moved to New York. I, I was very disappointed at the lack of alleys.
0: Yeah, it's not as many alleyways as you think there are going to be. Yeah, well, they need streets. You don't have, I mean, alleyways are good for, like, I guess, giant garbage trucks, but what else are you going to fucking do there? There's only room for garbage trucks, garbage, sewers where Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live, and that's it.
1: And rats. And rats.
2: Right. So so I would say, yes, accurate portrayal in, in Junkie Rapists. No, in its portrayal of alleyways. That's what the movie gets right, gets wrong about New York in the 80s.
3: <laughs>
0: Perfect. All right. Well, that leads us now uh, to that one contest of wills that we are always inexorably drawn to. Choose your own Death Venture time. And boy, do we have a couple doozies for us to choose from. If you had to die in one way uh, that is portrayed in this section of the movie, uh, which one would you choose and why? The offerings for today are um, you could get um, impaled on Aquaman's uh, tripod radio tower. Uh, you could get uh, an axe to the back. You could drown Or explode in a ship? We don't really know. (laughs) Or uh, you can get stabbed to the back with a hypodermic needle or have your face pulverized into a steam pipe. And uh, Will as our esteemed guest. I look to you for your answer first. If there had
2: still been heroin left in the needle, I might have went with that because at least you're going out on a high. Mm -hmm. But since it was empty, I'm going to say the axe in the back only because... This character at least had a brief moment of see, I told you so. I was right. <laughs> they get to see me. I I mean at least he gets to be right. Right. So I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the
0: Harbinger's death.
3: Okay.
0: I, I that is very solid reasoning. Now you're gonna have to wear that very dirty looking hat that he wanders around in. Uh, for the entirety of your life. It's a, it's a it's a fair trade for an axe in the back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right, Gino, what say you?
1: I, you know, n- none of these are really good deaths they, they 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 seem to have the same care and quality that the the put in them with the rest of the movie has. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, i I have no problem with wearing a a a track jacket and the and the enormous rubber rubber encased yellow walkman on my side so uh (laughs) i will take uh, miles's death being impaled on a radio tower
0: well here's the good news you get some bitchin hair you have great tunes you have a fantastic attitude and you get to wear that purple starter jacket which looks pretty sweet
1: I i am absolutely fine with that
0: Uh, You also have to hit that very awkward side plank position that he is in. That's see, that would be hell on my back, even if it was broken.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I I think I, you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of presentation. So, so I think that that would, uh, I, I could probably swing that.
0: That's right. Uh, leave them uh, with a good one okay well I tell you what i am going to choose uh explode drown in a restaurant because that has always been my dream to explode drown in a restaurant
1: <laughs> explode and drown or explode yes. and or drown or drown then explode
0: any order as long as it's in a restaurant <laughs> then you truly know me <laughs> That's what it comes down to. All right, well, that pretty much does it for part eight for now. Uh, but before we go, hey Will, uh, where can people hear uh, more about you and what you do? Well, you can follow
2: me on Twitter at the Real Will Link, um, where I'll tweet about like shows I'm doing, like storytelling shows I'm doing around Los Angeles, things like that, and also my podcast, Will Sean Podcast. Spoiler alert! Yes, we do, and uh, every week we break down whatever is going on in pop culture in like a uh, fun comedic way. Although recently there hasn't been a ton of fun comedic things to discuss in pop culture, we are we're persi- pushing through though. R- lately, it's become the um, uh, segment each week of who has sexually harassed who. Yeah, so we're uh- but we're pressing forward, and we're still we have good guests. People come on. Patrick, I know you have been on
0: yes. uh, uh, And we, we break down the week with them It's a great show People should listen to it uh, And people should, if you're in LA Absolutely, uh, if Will is doing a show You should be a part of it I've done shows with him He's very funny, he's a fantastic listen Check him out Hey Gina, where can people find you on the internet?
1: I write about 70s and 80s television at tuneintonight.wordpress.com. About the time this airs, I should be just getting into the middle of my Christmas extravaganza. So if you want to hear my thoughts on a Cabbage Patch Christmas, I suggest you, uh, you hide the hither over to that website and
0: check it out. Do it today, people. You don't want to be left behind on Cabbage Patch Mania. Why, people have barely gotten over it. And it happened many a moon ago. Um, Is that where also people can find the Rhapsody Street Kids? That
1: is where people can find Rhapsody Street Kids. Believe in Santa, although that went that was part of my Christmas in July theme. uh, Because why not? It makes about as much sense as Rhapsody Street Kids itself does. um, But yeah,
0: you can find that there as well. That that cartoon is and cartoon is really putting a lot on it because that's being
1: extremely charitable.
0: Yes, it's like a nightmare 5 fa- 5 family fingers video that's that's going so crazy on YouTube right now, but it's meant to be a Christmas special. It's insane. Um, and so, do it today, people uh, You want to reach out to us at the Kill by Kill podcast? There's a couple easy ways to do it First of all, on Twitter, at Kill by Kill Pod You have something longer than 280 characters to say And really, with that many characters, what could that possibly be? Don't worry, there's email, at Kill, by Kill pod, At gmail.com I don't know why I put two ats on there I'll fix it in the edit or maybe I won't. Who fucking cares? Uh, at Kill by Kill Podcast on Instagram, we do fun things there. If you ha- well, listen to the show and you like it, if maybe you even love it, there's a great way to help us. And that is to, to rate and review us on whatever podcast you're on, in particular Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a five-star review. Tell us what your uh, favorite kill is in the uh friday the 13th series and we will read it here on the air that is our promise to you the listener um in fact uh we just kind of popped a cherry uh this last week gina i don't know if i told you about it we received our first four star ranking who (laughs) i don't know they didn't review us they just left us four stars apparently they like us they just don't love us
1: they, they might be one of those types of people you know like uh, like Paul Hollywood on the great British Bake off where, where you you just you, you're almost there and then you know our, our bake wasn't quite good enough we, we, we weren't no. we weren't that golden that rich golden brown color he was looking for
0: I like the texture I just don't I didn't taste the flavors you're not getting the handshake that's what it comes down to we,
1: we can promise you anonymous reviewer we will offer more flavors. We've got if you the. Keep us around. We've got the flavor known as Jason Goes to Hell coming up, and that that is that <laughs> that's, that's going to be a lot of flavor.
0: That's a one a spicy amitabala. <laughs> and that pretty much does it uh, for this episode. Don't worry, the body count will continue next time. And so for myself, and for Gina, and for Will. Bye bye everybody. Bye bye. Bye. Kill by Kills produced by We Write Good and is intended for entertainment purposes only. Friday the 13th is owned by Paramount Pictures. Jason is owned by New Line Cinema. No infringement is intended. Kill by Kill logo was designed by Josh Hollis. Visit him at joshhollis.com. The Kill by Kill theme was created exclusively for us by Revenge Body. Get the whole track and much, much more at revengebodymemphis.bandcamp.com today.